It's locked on Spartans, so of course we have to talk about our Michigan State Spartans, but when you have Big Ten Ben Stevens, well, we're going to talk about the whole conference season that's starting this weekend. Oh yeah, let's go. Our Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The most wonderful people in the whole entire universe. I'm talking about not just the listeners of Lockdown Spartans, the viewers of Lockdown Spartans, but oh, oh, this incredible friend of the program, Big Ten Ben Stevens. I'm not going to let him talk just yet, though. Mm-mm, no, no, you just get to stare at his handsome face. Because first, I got to say, hey, thank you, LinkedIn Jobs, for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Lockdown College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdown college terms and conditions apply. Let's give the people what they want. They want to hear one of their favorite guests of the show of all time, Big Ten Ben of the morning after on Sports Grid and also a lot of other cool projects. How you doing, man? You doing okay, Ben? Matt Sheehan, I'm doing fantastic. LinkedIn jobs for like locked that, on yeah. sports. That's incredible That's right. stuff right there. They're doing great yeah. work. It's listen, no shot at rockauto.com. I used to sing the jingle back in my day as the host of Locked On Big Ten, but it feels sure. like we're stepping up in the world here and only for the finest podcast there is in Locked On Spartan. So I'm 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 excited to be here. We are just a few days away from the start of the 2022 college football season. I am fired up. I can't wait. Now, let's just okay, hold on. No, no, no. I was going to say I was going to start Talking about Nebraska, Northwestern, and Dublin, Ireland, but I, I got to check myself. This is still locked on Spartans. We got to do some Michigan State talk right here. Big Ten, Ben, you, you have 14 children, and they are all Big Ten teams, but can we just focus on one of them right now, the one that resides in East Lansing? I just need a quick vibe check from you on the Michigan State Spartans. Um, what a lazy question for me to ask, but really, like, how are you feeling about our Spartans this year? You know me. Last year, around this time, maybe even earlier, I think it was May, the middle of May or something like that, after speaking with your former co-host, Will Hunter, if we still bring up his name on this lovely program, and doing the spring football bus tour around the Big Ten Conference, it was Will that really highlighted to me for the first time how Mel Tucker runs his program, how he has put in the resources to attacking the transfer portal, understanding the evolutions of college football and how this roster, unlike 2020, was completely revamped, how it was retooled yeah. for success. So you're going to give them a win total at four and a half? That was ludicrous. This was going to be a bowl team at the bare minimum. So I think I tweeted out on like May 20th, something of last year, 2021, way ahead of the 2021 college football season. Michigan State is going to win seven games this year. And even I, Matt Sheehan, as you well know by this point, undersold the crap out of Mel Tucker and MSU in year one because 2020 was year zero, as we all know. So for whatever reason, though, that team wins 11 football games, capped off by a bowl victory in a New Year's Six Bowl in the Peach Bowl, absolutely stomping Pittsburgh. Sorry, Pat Narduzzi. It would not have mattered if Kenny Pickett was in that game. And for whatever reason, Michigan, they have a win total of seven and a half. And it feels like, yeah, this is a seven-win football team, possibly eight, if they can get over that. It's one of my favorite win totals in the Big Ten Conference and certainly in the Big Ten East because Michigan State has the talent year after year now based on what Mel Tucker has built to be at least 
a seven, eight, nine win football team. That is now the standard of success, in my opinion, in East Lansing. Is it a Big Ten East championship going up against Ohio State this year that I have winning the national championship? Probably not. But that's not oh, a yeah. bad thing by any – sorry. I mean, you know, just – That's fine. honest I about it. Ohio State's it. just it. filthy this year. It's, like, ridiculous how good they're going to be offensively. And I think Jim Knowles is the defensive coordinator. We can dive into it later, yada, yada, yada. But anyway, the point being, Michigan State is going to be in that conversation at the top of the East Division – as long as they have divisions in the Big Ten Conference, year in and year out, in my opinion. And so I don't really understand the lukewarm feeling maybe nationally around Michigan State entering this year. They're going to be an eight-win football team, in my opinion, at the minimum. And I would not be surprised if they're up there, second place in the Big Ten East, with the likes of Michigan and Penn State each and every season. Love it. You are always welcome in East Lansing. And, you know, I'm going to petition that they let you do a coin toss at some point this season because you – preach to the choir that is Spartan Nation every time you're on this show. And I and I don't I, listen, I don't just do that to suck up, by the way. Right, I'm not just right. on like and I go on locked on Wolverines with Isaiah Hole and say, yeah, sure. Michigan's a 10 win football team. In fact, I'm down on Michigan this year because their head coach Jim okay. Harbaugh doesn't even want to be there and he pissed off the rest no. of his coaching staff. <laughs> so Josh Gaddis is now the OC in Miami and Mike McDonald, the guy that turned around their defense with a Heisman finalist in Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo, who was second round draft pick, by the way, and oh Dax Hill, yeah, they're all gone and yet everybody thinks i'm just trying to take out hate on harbaugh anyway we'll save that for once one, one one small problem by one small problem i mean like five five problems you just named but yeah um ben this is going to be a fun season coming up i just need to get your 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 thoughts on week zero huskers versus wildcats conference game in of course big 10 country uh dublin ireland yep. do you like the international game or do you wish this was in a plains somewhere in the middle of iowa between two teams or uh, is this the ideal week zero because i love how quirky it is but it maybe it's a little too quirky for, for me it is quirky right and for yeah. week zero i think it makes sense it brings okay. a premier type of feeling to a weird start of a college football season because depending on who you ask People are like, yeah, I'm juiced up for week zero. Or other people are like, yeah, it's nice. I'll watch football on my TV. Certainly that has some sort of consequence for these programs individually and potentially conference implications, depending on what the ceiling you believe Nebraska has this season in the Big Ten West. But I really love the idea of playing college football games in college stadiums. I think once we get to the idea of college football playoff expansion and it gets hopefully to 12 teams, the incentive of being teams five through eight in this expanded field, in my opinion, would be hosting a college football playoff game inside your yes. own stadium in front yes. of your own fans. So take it for week zero, right? It's a fun, quirky kind of thing to go to Ireland and to bring college football internationally, and it will be a great atmosphere there. It's a cool experience for these two programs, for their fan bases. I have seen so many photos of people leaving Lincoln and Omaha and making the long trip to Dublin. It's going to be incredible. All of that experience is awesome, but you compare that to even UTEP in North Texas in the Sun Bowl, one of the best settings for college football, and we yeah. get to see that right away week zero and a sold-out crowd at the Sun Bowl. You can tell their excitement and enthusiasm to start a year. And I think when you can have that locally, because college football is still a very regional product and the loyalty that it comes with and the tradition that follows is still very local in my mind, that's really cool to start a year as well. So I don't mind it. I'm just more so a fan of playing games 
even if they're impactful or not in front yeah. of your own home crowd, unless there's a longstanding tradition like the largest cocktail party between Georgia and Florida, where you need to go to Jacksonville because everybody just does what they want. Yeah, the, the Red River shootout, you know, but those that's it. Those are the only two. Those are the only right. two that, that get to have the neutral field, you know. Anyway, so speaking of playing games in front of your own fans and speaking of great matchups early on, Notre Dame traveling to Columbus for a true home game for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Not not so much to speak about just one game, but this could have ramifications of how we perceive, you know, Ohio State throughout the season. But yep. look, everyone has them in the driver's seat of the Big Ten. So do I. And that's not a hot take or anything. I think a lot of people have that take. But with that said, what could we see in week one against Notre Dame that will have you thinking that maybe a door is open for the rest of the Big Ten? Because kind of saw that last year when Oregon traveled to Ohio State and punked yep. them in their own stadium. We're like, oh, my God, this defense is actually uh-oh, not too great. But it, so is it the defense? Is it something else that you have yeah. to see? Does C.J. Stroud's legs, both of them? need to explode or what do you have to see from the Buckeyes to think that there's a chance for the other 13 teams to have a shot? It's the defense. It's solely the defense because last year was a tragic year defensively for Ohio state that led to a change at defensive coordinator from Kerry Coombs. Now we have Jim Knowles in there as the defensive coordinator for Ohio state. And if you don't know Jim Knowles, he led an Oklahoma state defense to be top 10 nationally in scoring in total defense a season ago. And the Cowboys were mere inches away from a Big 12 yeah. championship and potentially a spot in the college football playoff, all predicated on how good that Oklahoma State defense was a season ago. It was an abysmal year for Ohio State defensively. And you know how bad they were, Matt Sheehan? They ranked 34th in the country in scoring Terrible. defense out of 130 Pathetic. FBS teams. But that's the, you know, that's the relative expectation. And that's yeah. the thing that it boggles my mind between the haves and the have-nots in college football. Right. Clemson had the worst year we can remember in the past 25 years in Clemson, South Carolina, and they won six straight to end the year, capped off with a bowl win to get back to double-digit wins and be a 10-win football team. But it's all relative expectation. And what right. kept Ohio State from being a Big Ten champion, from playing in the college football playoff for a fifth time, was solely that defense. Because to go from... 34th in the country in terms of scoring defense and those statistics to top 15, top 10, top five. That is a national championship contender in its truest form. And there has been some rumblings out of Columbus and Ryan Day has said, my expectation is to have a top 15 defensive unit. Jim Knowles hears that and he says, our expectation internally in those defensive coordinating rooms and those meeting rooms is to be a top five unit. If they are either of those two things, top five would be exceedingly exceptional, obviously, and top 15 would be really, really good. Ohio State is going to win the Big Ten and to be a college football playoff team. And then thus, in my opinion, would win the national championship because if Ohio State is not a top five scoring offense, averaging at least 39 points per game this year, I will yeah. come to not understand anything there is in nature right. and in life. <laughs> That's all fair. So look at okay, we we've banged out Michigan State. We talked about Dublin, Ireland. We talked about the Buckeyes. We are rocking and rolling in Big Ten talk so far, but we got more to come. Ben, I just got to say goodbye to you for a hot second. I'm so sorry. I hate to do this, but I just got to talk to the fine folks about LinkedIn Jobs. That's right, guys. You already heard us talk about LinkedIn for quite some time, and you probably already know what LinkedIn is because they are a massive social media platform, especially for job seekers maybe like yourself. And as we gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire in all cylinders. And LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people that you want to talk to faster and 
for free. So create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the people that you want to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you would like to interview and hire. There's no wonder small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. And did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdown college. It's linkedin.com slash lockdown college to post your job for free terms and conditions. Oh yeah, you bet they apply. And as we welcome the wonderful Ben Stevens back to our Big Ten Breakdown chat. Hey, just want to thank you all for making Lockdown Spartans your first listen every single day here in the Locked On Podcast Network. Ben, I'm about to do something that I don't think I've ever done on this podcast before, and that's pull a graphic up. Uh, I, I hope this is working on YouTube for everyone. Oh I hope I just did this goodness. correctly. Only, only the biggest... Only the biggest production moves for you, Ben. And I understand that we do have a podcast following. So what I have in front of me is the Cleveland.com preseason poll. They take this from the media and I think maybe some coaches too at the Big Ten Media Days. So got the West Division, East Division. In the West, first place, Wisconsin. Second place, Iowa. Third place, Minnesota. Fourth place, Purdue. Fifth place, Nebraska. Sixth place, Illinois. Seventh place, Northwestern. Let's travel to the East. First place, oh, surprise, Ohio State. Second place, Michigan. Third place, Ohio State. Fourth place, our Michigan State Spartans. Fifth place, Maryland. Sixth place, Rutgers. Seventh place, Indiana. If you're watching on YouTube, those numbers in parentheses are first place votes for their division. And then the other numbers are how many points they got in the ballot. Now that I've talked through all that, let's do some superlatives, Ben. What do you say? So as you're staring at this breakdown of teams expected to be where they're going to fall coming up, what is the most slept-on team in this conference, Big Ten, Ben? Who is severely underrated as we go into this great season? All right. You want my boldest take about the Big okay. Ten Conference this year? The Launch Bulls. it. Let's go. Not Let's go. consistency and sustained success on the Big Ten West side. My boldest take. Penn Don't State is unranked entering the 2022 college football season. They are in the receiving mm-hmm. votes category of the preseason AP Top 25, but still technically unranked. Penn State will finish the year inside the top 10. Penn State will be in the conversation most likely. And in my opinion, if they are a top 10 team at the end of this season, Penn State will get a bid to a New Year's Six Bowl. Now, I say that for a couple of reasons. First, the biggest caveat is Sean Clifford. I think it's been the biggest caveat since 2019 in Happy Valley. What are we going to get from Sean Clifford this year? Will (laughs) we see him take that next step to being an elite quarterback in the Big Ten? I don't really care. At this point, I don't need Sean Clifford to be the fifth best quarterback in the Big Ten, the third best quarterback in the Big Ten. I need Sean Clifford to be in the top half of the Big Ten Conference in terms of efficiency. And I think what Penn State has in the backfield is one of the deepest backfields in all of the Big Ten Conference. Keevon Lee back there as well. I think what they can do with Keziah Holmes, who was deep down the depth chart, but I think could make some waves early on here. I believe in what Penn State has in terms of what they return in the backfield from a ground game perspective this upcoming season. And defensively, they lose Brent Pry as the defensive coordinator. He is now the head coach at Virginia Tech. But you give me P.J. Mustafa back up in the middle of that defense. You have so much talent in the secondary as well with Joey Porter Jr. back and uh, Ellis back there in the safety spot as well. 
I think Penn State is going to make some moves. Penn State was a football team that prior to 2020 had won 11 games three of four seasons under James Franklin. 2020 was historically bad. They rattled off four straight wins to end out this year to finish four and five in that weird 2020 year. There was maybe some optimism once more for 2021. They went four and five again in the Big Ten a season ago. But for a lot of the same reasons, Matt, that people highlight the optimism for Nebraska, the greatest three and nine football team ever, all nine losses by single digits. That's right. Penn State's five Big Ten losses by single digits, including only nine points against Ohio State with an average margin of defeat of 5.2 points per game. That's not how we judge Penn State often, keeping games close and competitive, but I think that starts to turn this year. They win those football games, and I think Penn State can be a 10-win team by the end of the regular season. And again, I think Penn State will factor into that conversation for a New Year's Six Bowl. So that is one of my boldest Big Ten takes out of the East Division this season. I love that. And you know, I'm not saying that the Buckeyes are going to lose this game, but I think Ohio State travels to Happy Valley this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And it also is, a, people is forget- the shortest spread for Ohio State right now. There are six lines oh, available no. for the Buckeyes. Mm-hmm. And in every game, they're at least a 13-point favorite. That is how good Ohio That's State unreal. is expected to be <laughs> by all the smart numbers, algorithms, and all the power ratings that go in to producing these lines. Sure, a lot can change from where we are sure. right now at the end of August. By the time we get to the end of October and that game on Halloween weekend between Penn State and Ohio State. But that is the level of expectation for the Buckeyes. But it is still the shortest spread. It's 13 points only in favor of Ohio State. They're a 15 and a half point favorite, as we mentioned, for that week one opener at home in Columbus against top five, top five in air quotes, Notre Dame. Right. That's unbelievable. So, okay. Obviously I you know, love the confidence behind the Penn state pick a lot of great reasoning, but I, how about this on the completely opposite end of the spectrum for this next superlative? Mm-hmm. What is the one big 10 team you just cannot figure out for the life of you? Like they could finish three and nine as easy as you could see them finishing nine and three, because I, I got two in my head and they're the same two that I always have every single year. And they both start with the same letter it's Minnesota and it's Maryland. I can never figure those two teams out. Are, are either of those your team that wins that award, or is there even another team that has you scratch your head even a little harder than that? Minnesota is the team I was going to highlight because Minnesota yeah. could be so good this year. If there's a team, so here's the thing I talk a lot about win totals and I evaluate teams through that, given the show that I host and the company that I work for. Mm-hmm. Iowa has a win total of seven and a half. In fact, four Big Ten West teams. Iowa, Minnesota, Purdue, and Nebraska all have a win total of seven and a half. I think Wisconsin ends up winning the West Division once again. Okay. And although I think Iowa goes over seven and a half wins, I think the only team that knocks Wisconsin off that perch is Minnesota, if that makes sense. Because Minnesota, in my opinion, has the capability of being a nine or ten win team, where I think Iowa gets you eight wins, but that probably is the bare minimum of what, or the maximum maybe in this case, Kirk Ferentz has in store this year in Iowa City. The reason Minnesota is the most confusing team to me of all time, outside of their head coach being an absolute fire starter in all that he does in every conversation that P.J. Fleck has, is because two years ago, Matt, after the historic 2019 season, when they won 11 games for the first time since the early 1900s, Everybody loved Minnesota, and they were bringing everybody back. And 2020 Mm -hmm. was an incredibly strange college football season, as we know. And then I had so many doubts about Minnesota, mainly defensively, 
entering last season. I was like, there's not a chance this team is successful. They got absolutely gashed. And the only good thing was they had a lot of experience with young guys put into those positions who were getting absolutely gashed. And maybe that means something. It turned out to mean everything. Minnesota was a top 10 defense in the country in both what they allowed to opponents in scoring and gave up just in terms of total yardage. It was wild, their improvement defensively a season ago. And then offensively, it's the same exact cast and crew. They lost so many running backs last year, of course, highlighted by Mo Ibrahim in that season opener against Ohio State when he gashed the Buckeyes and then went down early in that second half. He's back. Tanner Morgan is back. They have the same consistency in their two main positions again this year. And Tanner Morgan's about to be 29 years old. He's already lining up his insurance deal at Coldwater Bankers <laughs> after he gets out of the Twin Cities. But this year, all he needs to do is hand the ball to Mohamed Ibrahim and guys like Benny Williams, and they are going to be fine. Minnesota, Matt, ran the ball the highest percentage of their plays last year, the highest rushing play percentage in the country outside of the three service academies and Army, Navy, and Air Force that all run the triple option. Minnesota ran it on nearly 69, nice, 69% of their plays a season ago. That is Big Ten pornography when you include 69 and establishing the run to such a degree. So, yes, Minnesota is the most confusing team to me. It's, it's it's beautiful. My goodness gracious. And it, maybe it's the same answer because, you know, they run the ball as much as they do. But what's going to be the most exciting team? Now, they, they don't have league pass for Big Ten. You know, like in the NBA, you could buy a package to watch every team of or every game of ever the team you pick. What Who's the most electric team? If it's as easy as Ohio State, okay, who's the second most electric team then that you're looking forward to watch? Uh, this Is that... Season? Is that new Big Ten League Pass not included in the new TV deal? They're not yeah, doing that? I think they're still dotting the I's and crossing right. the T's on that one, but uh, we'll see. We'll see if we can break that news next week. Um, yeah, that was the Apple say. TV Plus yeah, the, uh, package the that I think got left TV. on the yeah. drawing room floor. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Hate to see that. Shoot. Next time. Most exciting next team. Yes, next negotiation. That's another billion dollars when Notre Dame joins the, joins the league. Anyway, the Man, most yep. exciting team is an interesting question because – I think the most exciting team, based on what we have seen versus what could be, Mm -hmm. is Nebraska. And I think the Huskers have enough weapons offensively to do some really exciting things this year. Because dare I say, Matt Sheehan, all right, I want to show you this if I can. I keep very few notes on my phone, right? Very few actual notes, a couple of grocery store lists. I've got some stuff here in terms of moving measurements. But one note that stays in my phone at all times is Scott Frost's time at Nebraska. His overall record, the Big Ten (laughs) record, and the record versus the Big Ten West. Scott Frost in his first four years is 15 and 29 overall. He is 10 and 25 against the Big Ten. He is 6 and 17 against the Big Ten West Division. His team has combined for six total wins the last two years in total, and they have a seven and a half win total and have the second best odds to win the Big Ten West. How does any of that make sense? Well, one exactly. thing that I think exactly one thing exactly. that I think has held Scott Frost back more than other things is the defense has actually improved every year under Eric Chenander. And there were many times the last two seasons when Nebraska would give up some yardage, but they had the whole bend don't break idea of that defense they might give you opportunities to get near the red zone but they weren't really going to allow you to score that's why i think nebraska stayed as competitive 
as they did. Scott Frost came to Lincoln after Central Florida, after his time as the offensive coordinator at Oregon under Chip Kelly as a perceived offensive guru of the new age of college football. Their offense has not been good by any standard of what you judge offenses by, especially how explosive we know offenses can be in college football. This year, Scott Frost has given up complete reins of the play calling to Mark Whipple, the offensive coordinator from Pittsburgh, who I think is a more drastic loss for good old Pat Narduzzi than Kenny Pickett. I think Mark Whipple and his offensive system completely reinvigorated everything Pittsburgh did offensively. Narduzzi used to be a ground-and-pound guy, Big Ten adjacent. Mark Whipple comes in there. They're putting up 47 points per game. It took a while, (laughs) and that might be the hesitation this year with Casey Thompson, the Texas transfer, and it's still Mm -hmm. being the first year for both of them in a new place and working together in this offensive system under Whipple. But in terms of what exciting could be, I would highlight Nebraska. I want to make one point about another team from the Big Ten West, Purdue, that a lot of people are incredibly excited by because Aiden O'Connell is back. And we know Jeff Brom's offensive mind that they are going to throw it all around the yard. Everybody thinks Purdue is going to be this sleeper in the Big Ten West. Their win total again, seven and a half. I think at best, they're a bowl team. At best, they're a seven-win football team. I could be way off. They're one of the more confusing teams to me as well, but they lose a lot defensively. They lose David Bell offensively. They replace that with some transfers from Iowa that have Big Ten experience like Tyrone Tracy and Charlie Jones, and they're veterans stacked through and through. But I think if you can slow down Purdue's passing game a little bit, as long as it's not Michigan State secondary from last season, then I don't really think Purdue's going to be overwhelmingly great in terms of contending for that Big Ten West championship. So a lot of people will probably highlight Purdue outside of Ohio State as one of the more exciting offenses. I think the potential of what the Huskers can do under Mark Whipple, who knows if it happens because we've been thinking about potential in Lincoln now for five years, We'll see, but I think the potential of exciting, I would highlight Nebraska. You know, I was going to bring up the same thing that you did about Purdue. And, like, this is friendly fire for all the state fans listening, but, like, Aiden O'Connell is as popular as he is because he got to play against Michigan State secondary, right? And, like, that that one game boomed his name to the top, and now everyone thinks he's, like, a top three quarterback in the conference. And, sure, he's fine. He's fine, but I don't think he's anything crazy that's going to drag Purdue to eight or nine wins or anything like that. So that's all I had. For superlatives, I did have one uh, team that rhymes with Nebraska that you should urge Matt to not bet the over on, but we kind of just tackled that, and I think we just go right into graphic number two, Big Ten, Ben, of the Big Ten win totals. Again, we we only pull out the big guns for you, Ben. Uh, Of course, not for the podcast listening audience at home. In front of me that we're all staring at is Big Ten win totals. Let me just go through this like an auctioneer really, really quick. Ohio State, 10.5. Michigan, 9.5. Penn State, 8.5. Wisconsin, 8.5. Our Michigan State Spartans, 7.5. Minnesota, 7.5. Nebraska, 7.5. Purdue, 7.5. Iowa, you guessed it, 7.5. Rutgers, Indiana, Northwestern, all sitting at 4. And now I just saw the error I made on this graphic. Uh, Illinois is at 4.5, so they're not the lowest, but they're pretty close to that basement right there. Um, there, There you have it. So everyone's odds are pretty much solid you know overs in that 125 or minus 125 minus 140 neighborhood except for ohio state to pick over 10 and a half wins minus 250 so bet 250 dollars to profit 100 i'm gonna put 
every single loan I could possibly take out at every Tri-County Bank on the over for Ohio State. But other than that, Ben, is there any of these that you just absolutely positively have fallen in love with for our gamblers out there? Lines courtesy of BetOnline.net, by the way. I'm sorry. I said to throw out the sponsor. Of course, of course. And you've done a beautiful job with this graphic. We don't worry about the bottom feeders in the Big Ten Conference. So I would say (laughs) that all of my favorites I've kind of talked about already, Penn State, I think they go over eight, eight and a half, as you have here. I think Michigan State goes over seven and a half. I think Minnesota goes over seven and a half. And I mentioned Iowa and consistency. The fact that the Hawkeyes are booked with a seven and a half win total is laughable. They have won double digit games two of the last three years. The only time they have gone under seven and a half wins in the last seven seasons was 2020 when they only played eight games and they lost the first two and then rattled off six straight wins. So that means that in seven full seasons, or excuse me, in six full seasons here as of late, Iowa has finished with at least eight wins. Kirk Ferentz could walk out of bed and coach an eight-win football team based on what they do each and every year. I understand (laughs) Spencer Petras is trash. As somebody who wrote this to me the other day, P, they like did like P something with his name. It was really good on Twitter. I'll have to find it. I was like, I love it. That was wonderful. Um, Oh, they called him uh, P Trass. It was like, instead of A-S to finish it, it's A-S-S. And I was like, that's "That's good. There we go. That's good. Alex Padilla, Spencer Petras, whatever. Yes, they lose Tyler Goodson. They'll be fine. That is what Iowa football does. And they have, in my opinion, the most underrated defensive coordinator in all of college football in Phil Parker. And they have so much talent coming back offensively, or defensively, rather. They have the most returning talent in the Big Ten West, the second most in the conference, not named Ohio State. Iowa is going to win eight football games. Again, I don't think Iowa wins the Big Ten West, but Iowa is going to win eight football games. So that's one that I look at, and the juice is not too bad on the over at minus 125, which means that's the expectation. That's the more likely outcome of how the book sees it, but only minus 25 as compared to Ohio State, who the over is minus 250, which means, you idiot, they are going to win at least 11 football games, but we can't put it at 11 and a half because that would then have the expectation of an undefeated season that even for the likes of Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, et cetera, is a very difficult thing to ask. So I think Purdue, or excuse me, Iowa over seven and a half is one that I haven't highlighted yet that I think is a surefire bet. I love that. And I'm just going to share two really quick ones here. I, and no, all the Spartan fans can turn, you know, the podcast down really quick because over for Michigan, nine and a half. And look, I, I'm not even going to talk about like, well, here's the reasoning why is like their schedule is a complete joke, right? I mean, they Ridiculous. play eight home games. Their non-conference is against division three MHSAA high school teams in this state. Like it is mm-hmm. crazy they, they have, one challenge, really, and that's going on the road to Ohio State. I'm sorry, I should have said one road challenge because, yes, they get Penn State at home. Okay, They get yep. Michigan State at home. But they also got to go to Iowa. That will be a little challenging. But yep. of those three games, at Iowa, the Penn State game, the Michigan State game, you, you have to win two of those. And, and I, th- I think they can. So there's that right there. Uh, having a cushy non-conference certainly helps. But also, too, Ben, meet me in the basement down here because we're going to go all the way down to Evanston, uh, four for Northwestern's total. And I hate to do this. This brings me no joy to say, but I, 
I'm going to go under four wins here for the Wildcats. A, I don't even think they have a quarterback on the roster. Uh, last mm-hmm. I checked. Okay, sure. Duke, Southern Illinois, Miami of Ohio is the non-conference. However, Miami of Ohio could be the top team in the MAC. At least mm-hmm. the people that voted on their preseason polls think so. And then also, while do they get screwed in their crossover games? They're at Penn State. Yes, they get yep. Ohio State at home at Ryan Field, but look, that's going to be at best a neutral field game for the Wildcats. And then at Maryland, and then also just your interdivisional games too, at Purdue, at Minnesota, and then, oh yeah, shipping over to Dublin for the first game in a weird one that they are underdogs by 13 points at. Find me four wins or five, dare I say. I mean, look, I, I know that we're all due for a flare-up for, you know, random acts of Northwestern, but I, I don't think it's this year. I have a really hard time believing that it's this year where Pat Fitzgerald just pulls a nine, ten win season out of his you know what and yeah. go from there. But yeah, so that's that's the only other one that I'm really confident on. Obviously, I do like Michigan State over as well, but we've had many episodes talking about that, so I'm not gonna spend too much time on that. But yeah, that's it right there. So Michigan over, obviously Ohio State over, MSU over, and then Northwestern under, like those are my four favorite ones right there, if you will. Do you hate any of those? Can I, uh, can I be an agent of chaos real quick? Please do. That's why, that's why you're I, invited on. Yes, right. please. <laughs> because I love plus money. The under yeah. at plus 120 of Michigan's win total of nine and a half. Let me just Let's play go. that Let's agent go. of chaos. Please. The do. non-conference like schedule is an absolute joke. There are three mm-hmm. wins right there. They are going to get three wins. There is not going to be an upset there. They are not going to struggle. That is going to be three wins. So that goes a large way into pushing them over nine and a half. And you're right. The crossovers are the interesting part. And here's where I bring up the crossovers for Michigan. Because on the road in Iowa City is going to be difficult. I think Iowa is better than people are giving them credit for. And we know that playing at Kinnick is a tough thing to do. Right now, Michigan, in the early look-ahead lines for that game, is only a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Favored, I understand, to win the football game outright, but only a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Michigan Hmm. is also an 11-and-a-half-point favorite against Nebraska. Now, if it is ever going to be a year for Nebraska to highlight and to be happy about, they need a marquee win. They need a signature victory that probably should come against their own division in Wisconsin and Iowa, who Scott Frost has not beaten in four seasons at the helm in Lincoln. But that is not a dig at Scott. The focus is on Michigan's win total under here. If they are going to have a highlight marquee victory, might it be on the road in the big house pulling off what would be a double digit upset? And by that time, who knows? Nebraska could be a three and a half point underdog, whatever it might be. But I think it comes down to Michigan's under if you believe the Big Ten West crossover games of Iowa and Nebraska can trip up Michigan one time. Because, hey, listen, Mel Tucker has been in East Lansing for two years, and he has how many wins against Michigan? You're right. That would be two. Two Penn State, who I believe is better this year. Yes, they have to go to Ann Arbor, and there are crazy – in terms of crazy outcomes and results when these when these two teams play in the you know who's home that generally indicates yeah. who's going to win and by a very large margin so that's not great for my Penn State over or Michigan's under but sure. <laughs> I think Penn State is good this year and Michigan returns so much offensively I'm not going right. to take away from a team that made it to the college football playoff a season ago. Cade McNamara is there. J.J. McCarthy is there. We know we have seen two quarterbacks in years past. 
We have Donovan Edwards in the backfield, and Blake Corm remains there, although Hassan Haskins is now gone. And Andrew Anthony is fantastic. All of that. I get it. But again, it was a super, super weird offseason in and on. Yeah. Super weird. Yeah. And you can try to sell me on anything you want to do, Ward Manuel. We're happy to have our guy back, Jim Harbaugh, the alum <laughs> of Michigan. The golden boy has returned and is here to raise everybody in Ann Arbor's kids. I get said no. That's uh, right. He said no right. to Minnesota. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait. But he didn't. Oh, wait. And Minnesota <laughs> didn't offer him. And then in that weird limbo status, Josh Gaddis was promoted to the head coach. And when all yeah. this plays out, Josh Gaddis goes, F that, man. I'm not being in a place I'm not rewarded. I'm going to go become the offensive coordinator at Miami. And Mike McDonald's like, hey, this Jim Harbaugh is a weird dude. I want to start working for John Harbaugh again because he doesn't say absolutely insane things. And now he is the defensive coordinator in Baltimore. That's a lot from a coaching staff perspective to try to replace and to repeat that success. I'm not saying Michigan's going to be a five-win football team. I'm not even saying Michigan's probably going to lose more than four games at the absolute maximum, but an eight and four season for Michigan or by these numbers, a nine and three season gives you plus 120 of value on taking the under of the Wolverines win total. Just throwing it out there as an agent of chaos here on Locked On Spartans. Just Ben Stevens taking us to the church of Big Ten football, as he always does. I, every single time you come on, it is even a bigger delight than it was the last time. And I, I don't even know how that's possible because you just kill it every single time you're here. It's almost like you should do this for like a living or something like that, man. That's that's nuts. It's crazy. You just have some normal desk job where you don't get to talk about sports all the time. You should look into that. You really should. I was the guy that recruited Tanner Morgan to Coldwater Bank, who's where he's coming to join us afterwards <laughs> when he graduates. But no, Matt, if I may plug myself here just briefly, starting this Saturday, for week zero, a part of the great sports grid network where I host a daily show called The Morning After, which I love. It's great. But I have to talk about things outside of college football. It can't Ah. be my only focus. College football is my love. College football is my passion. College football is my life. And starting this Saturday, I'm hosting our newly revamped pregame show called College Football Today each and every Saturday in the fall, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern time. We're going to give you that unique perspective of how to approach the college football landscape with betting angles tied in throughout, but the same storylines and discussions that you will hear, just a unique perspective to hopefully bring you that enthusiasm, make you a little bit smarter of a fan, and hopefully make you more profits throughout the year as well. So please join us there if you're not on the Locked On Spartans live show that I think Matt will do from time to time. Hey, no, I'm I'm in uh, college game day. See ya, big noon kickoff. See ya. I, I'm I'm locked into Sports Grid, baby, because Ben Stevens is on it. Ben, you're the man. Thank you so much. Where where can the people find you on social media too, if they just want to um, yell at you or you know, or thank yeah. you for the money that you've won them this year? Hundred percent. I'm not sure how many people in Maze and Blue watch or listen yeah, to this. Not podcast, a lot, but I'd imagine. <laughs> <laughs> might be a couple. Who knows? Um, that is at Ben Scott Stevens on Twitter. That is the main place for all of my Big Ten takes and tweets. Look at that. He's got a voice for podcasts and a face for television, and he brings it all onto Lockdown Spartans. Thank you so much, Ben, and thank you, everyone, for making us your first listen every single day. You already know we're going to be back tomorrow and also five days next week as we lead up to kickoff. Oh, my goodness gracious. It's almost here. Let's finish out the week strong. Love you all. Go green. Let's go. Let's go.